How do you treat people who don't like you? You know, there's a template in the Bible for that. Well, let's talk about that, shall we? From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Hi there. Welcome to our program. Our time together takes us back to Romans chapter 12, verses 14 through 21, as we see how we are to treat people who don't like us. You know, it's easy to do an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth thing, but God, he calls us to a higher standard, his standard to be specific, but he doesn't call us to that standard without help along the way. Join us for a look at that help. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's edition of Truth For Today. Please turn to Romans 12, of which I'm crawling through. Uh, Rich got tickled because I told him I was going to do a quick view of Romans, and I'm in my second year for the fourth time. Uh, Start doing it, and I won't preach it anymore. Now, you know what it is uh, for me, uh, since I've been here forever, uh, people come, people go. Uh, by the time I think a crop got it, that crop goes, and I get a new crop that never heard it. So I'm thinking, if I want to explain Christianity, where do I do it? Romans. And I'm sorry that so many of you that have heard it for the fourth time are bored to death. But instead of being bored to death, you're just like me. Why didn't I get it the first time? I don't know. Why didn't I get it? There's something about God's Word that's forever fresh, and it forever talks. It's a present tense inspiration. It continually speaks, continually. It's not just a dead book. And so uh, we don't need uh, uh, more information until we respond to the information we've got. And Romans gives you plenty to respond to. And so I love the book without apology. Romans 12, 9 I'm just using this as the leaping point, okay? I usually try to deal right in the passage, but I want to talk about prayer. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. I want to focus uh, on this matter of prayer. Be devoted to prayer. And uh, the word uh, has the idea of holding fast to it, that you persevere in it. And I hope you have notes from the bulletin, uh, that you give attention to it, that you're faithful to prayer. Be devoted. Be faithful to prayer. Uh, and uh, prayer is hard work. Uh, no matter if I polled any group of people, whether pastors or members of a church, and asked them about their prayer life, more than not, you, you get a guilt or a remiss uh, it produces guilt without even trying to 
because they said, man, I, I'm not praying. I wish I had a better prayer life. And, and we all are there. We all have those struggles. And uh, uh, I interviewed the staff last week to just give me some food for thought. Uh, and I asked them in a staff meeting some questions about prayer. And uh, I asked them why we don't pray. If we're told to pray, why don't we? Uh, and these were the answers they gave. Self-sufficiency, busyness, idolatry. Basically, we're trusting something else to get us through. Uh, peace. This was interesting. Uh, when all is well, why pray? If things are going good, uh, I don't need to pray. Uh, unrealistic expectations. Uh, maybe I'm asking God to do things that he doesn't want to do. Uh, I'm asking for things I'm not sure about, so I don't ask. Guilt, uh, usually connected to sin. I've got some heart issue that keeps me away. The psalmist, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me when I pray. So when I'm in sin, some automatically shuts me off. I don't want to talk to God because all sin is against God, right? All sin is against God, ultimately. Uh, some said, I'm bored. I'm bored with prayer. I mean, think of it. Uh, if in your calendar you want an exciting night out, you'd look up a prayer meeting. Uh, unbelief. Uh, why talk to someone you don't trust? You don't think God can do it? Uh, no method. And uh, I want to spend some time there because I don't think I had a method for years. I think I prayed more without a method than I have with one. Uh, fear God will not do it. Why invest the time if God's not going to do it? Uh, intentionality, evangelism and prayer, uh, the two big missing components in both is I'll share my faith maybe if God gives me the opportunity. Instead of being intentional, I have a plan to share my faith. And it's the same with prayer. Uh, I'll pray if I need to. And I think of a lot of prayers are like uh, these uh, fire extinguisher uh, places in a building. Break glass in case of emergency. And so prayer is kind of around to break the glass in case it really gets that bad. And uh, other words, it's not a, I'm not devoted to it. It's not something I must do. It, it's, uh, you know, if I get some time, I'll squeeze it in. It won't ever happen. And uh, then I ask, uh, why, why are we to pray? Let's see. I, let me give you some things they told why we uh, do pray. Uh, they gave a bunch of good answers. Uh, we pray because we want peace. We want to get rid of guilt. We're feeling desperate. We need help, wisdom, guidance, needs greater than our ability, our hearts breaking. We feel close to God when we are talking to him. Uh, when we want intimacy, joy, clarity of mind, thanks, communion. Well, you would think we'd be praying all the time if these are the things we get. And they are. Uh, I just, without, we could stay right on the biblical reasons why to pray. Uh, and I do not want to do that, but I gave you some verses why we ought to pray. Just some bullets, as it were, to help you. Pray or face the alternatives. 
pray. What if I don't want to pray? Let's say as a believer, if you should think that way. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. You'll give up if you stop praying. And stop praying is the first sign you've given up. When you stop praying about something, you've lost heart. Uh, you, you've lost momentum. And what we want to do is double the effort over here that we're losing heart about. Double our activities in ministry. Uh, I need to do more. I need to study more. I need to be at the office more. No, you don't. You need to go back and pray. Because all this stuff you're doing over here without praying is wood, hay, and stubble anyway. God's not in it. You're just a nervous wreck. You're a busy ADD. And you call it sacred work. It's not sacred work. God gets his work done through people who rely on him, not on self-sufficient robotons. God could have installed a giant computer to run the church, but he bears the church on the hearts of his people. You you can't text God. You've got to talk to him. You've got to talk to him. Um, And so he says, pray or you'll lose heart. Or this one, be anxious about nothing. Anyone ever hear that? Well, what's there to do if if there's nothing to worry about? Well, I wouldn't know what to do, but pray. See, he, remove a negative emotion by doing a positive thing. I, I'm anxious. My mind's divided. I'm worried about finances, health, my life, all of this. And, and anxiety is just a part of life. Nobody escapes anxiety. But he said, I've got a prescription for you. If you'll pray, I'll assign the peace of God to guard your hearts and mind as a citadel on duty. If you'll pray, I guarantee you peace. That's not too bad a trade-off. Pray, and you'll get rid of anxiety. I mean, just think if we could sell this at the drugstore. We do, Valium, sleeping pills, all kinds of stuff. But can you imagine Oprah saying, I want to teach you all how to pray. And we'll get rid of the anxiety of the nation. Pray for those in authority. He said, uh, prayer, part of prayer in John 15 is the admission you can't do it. Without me, you can do some things. No, you can do nothing. Uh, Prayer is the cry of the humble And you see this in the Psalms, the the poor man. This poor man, the word poor is a synonym for humble man. The poor man, the humble man, the man. What did Jesus say? Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Didn't say you had to be bankrupt. But you feel your poverty of spirit, poverty in the inner man. Then you shall be filled because you come with hunger. If you're not thirsty, it's hard to get you to the evening meal. If you're not hungry, it's terrible to try to feed somebody a good meal that's already stuffed. 
And so God says, I want my people to have a holy hunger in them that's going on. Do you hunger and thirst to know this God? Now, if it's already been saturated with the junk food of this world, and you've already stayed up too late on Saturday night watching all the junk, it's hard to have an appetite for God. You could fill it with sugar and all the candy stuff of this world, but it's easy to feed somebody that's hungry. They quit being real picky. Just feed me. And God says, I throw a feast only for the hungry. I only have a feast for those that are thirsty. It is a divine work of God to keep you hungry and thirsty, uh, that you just can't miss out on prayer. You know, if you miss prayer one day, you know it. You miss it for two days, your wife knows it. You miss it three days, your kids know it. By the time you miss it for a week, the whole world knows it because you're a wreck. And what it is, you're starving yourself from the presence of God, and he starts making us uh, have anxiety, fear, emptiness, crankiness. I'm cranky. I don't know why. Uh, You're not enjoying the peace of God. You're not getting God's divine tranquilizer that you get when you just talk to him. He tranquilizes the soul. He makes you lie down in green pastures. In this busy, busy age that would be characterized by activity, nervousness, got to do, got to do, got to do, got to feel every moment. Pastor Richard and I were talking about that. That's where when you get with people that, that you got to be talking perpetually. You can't allow, anytime there's no noise or any uh, conversation, you're nervous. What's going on? Why don't you be still and wait on God? He said in Isaiah 64, 4, Hear, O Israel, no one has ever heard of a God like you who works on behalf of those who wait on him. Listen to that. The heathen have never invented a God like this. This God actually works for people who do nothing but wait for him in prayer. Come on, Jehoshaphat. We're outnumbered thousands to one. Don't call a prayer meeting. We need swords, guns, and men. He said, no, I will look to God and pray. God, this battle is yours, for the battle is the Lord's. And God, in the middle of the night, can knock off 185,000 Assyrians with one swoop. You see, if you'd pray, you'd be amazed how God could handle your enemies. You'd be amazed how he could handle your problems. But he's got to get you where you believe that God can handle it. And so you've got to show up to pray. Up to that, it's self-sufficiency, pride, independence. And you just miss the blessing. You miss the blessing. Well, uh, I want to kind of go and develop uh, some... Let me tell you what you need a lot of times in prayer. I did this for years. I grew up with extemporaneous prayer because I, I grew up in red-hot prayer meetings, and, and I did not grow up in conversational prayer. I, I grew up in Pentecostal circles, so we all just knelt and prayed. Uh, quite frankly, it's my favorite kind of praying to this day. It, there is no question about it. You know why? When you're in a room and everybody's praying, you want to pray. That's where, like, our worship team, it's the most animated thing we have in the church. The rest of you can be sort of get nervous because it's a little too emotive. Wake up, honey. Read the Psalms and believe them. 
Don't, don't exegete them. Practice them. Don't tell me what the Hebrew says. Just do it. Some of you are just practice in private. Dance. Just try it. Dance before the Lord. We don't want to see you dance here, but do it in private. You know, you dancing with the stars. Maybe you'll get on. But, but he, he said, just dance. Sing to the Lord. Do you ever read a, take a hymn book in your prayer meeting and you sing to God? Do you ever sing on your knees? That's where you need to learn to sing. That's why many of you don't sing in church. You don't sing in private. God told you to sing. He didn't say you know how. He said sing. Huh? Sing. My dad said a blackbird likes to sing as much as a bluebird. He just says not as pretty. So sing. So pray. Quit having a content knowledge Christianity in which you do nothing. We are not God's frozen people. The mercy people, he wants a response. Respond to my mercy. And I want to hear you devoted to prayer because of who's on the other end. It's not a work salvation. There's somebody on the other end wanting you to come and talk. And so I find that I would cut, when I, I grew up, you just got down and you prayed. And whatever's on your heart, you would pray. And, and that's wonderful, especially in group prayer meetings. There's enough prayer requests and things going on. It's a wonderful way to pray. Uh, and if many of you have grown up that way, you wouldn't be so inhibited to worship God. You wouldn't just be the frozen saints. Because uh, it's a wonderful way to pray. Some of you say, well, I can't concentrate. Well, you don't anyway. <laughs> the silent stuff, you just drift off. You're so bored. You know, don't tell me. Yeah. When's it my turn? And by the time it's your turn, you're half asleep. No, these other prayer meetings help keep you awake. Everybody's praying. Uh, but what happens, one of the dangers of it is, we can get down to pray, especially in private prayer. Where am I going? Where am I going? And if you don't watch it, you find yourself in the same five categories. I, me, my, my kids, and my wife. So is that the extent of your prayer life? Could you expand it? And so we've been using the acronym Navigators, and them gave it to us years ago, of ACTS, which is a good, good thing. My brother David has redone it. He calls it CATS. He starts with confession, adoration, thanksgiving, supplication. Uh, he just won't submit to the other way. Uh, Acts, though, let's say you start with adoration, okay, and then you're going to go to confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's been a helpful a guide in prayer. Uh, I want to uh, next time give you uh, making prayer guides, and she's giving you some methods. Uh, some could be so mechanical that their prayer life is all mechanics. Others can be so extemporaneous that they never pray about a broader range of things. So maybe we could marry the two together. But I think the pattern that we ought to examine is uh, the, the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer. And he taught his disciples when they asked in Luke, teach us to pray. I read Matthew, the first service. Let's go to Luke 18. Uh, Luke, same thought. Look at, no, I'm Luke 11. No, I don't want that. The Matthew develops forgiveness more. So let's just stay with Matthew. Matthew 6. You guys are confusing me. Look at uh, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men, he expands only on the forgiveness in the prayer. And here it is. If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Uh, I think if you grew up in liturgical church, especially if you were a good Lutheran, uh, probably every Sunday you began by reciting this prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, and that's all right. But I, I don't think he's teaching us a rote memory uh, thing that he just wants us that by the fact that you quoted it, that you prayed it. Just because you quoted it doesn't mean you prayed it. He, he's teaching us how to pray. And what I think he's doing for us, he's showing you the kinds of categories that God is interested in you sharing with him and that you should be concerned about when you pray. So, uh, we have five things we look here. First of all, be concerned with who God is and your relationship to him. That's number one. Uh, two, uh, let's look at what does this God want to accomplish? What, what's, what's he about? And that's really his priorities or his will. Thirdly, what are your pressing uh, pressing needs to sustain life. Uh, I mean, this, this is a real need, not invented. Uh, fourthly, uh, who have you been sinning against or who's been sinning against you and how are you handling that? Uh, a real danger point. Fifthly, uh, what are you doing about praying about temptation and sin uh, and the future. Number one, when you pray, think of it as a category. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I call it praise or adoration. Father, I've come because I'm in this mercy community that mercy developed, uh, that formed by grace, and I can now call you Father. I'm in a birth family relationship with you. You're the father I never had, maybe in any other sphere. You're the father like no father. And I come to you. I know you're in heaven on the throne, but I'm immediately there. And I've come. I want to hallow your name. Notice it says, hallowed be your name. He didn't say, hallowed is your name. That is a fact. God is hallowed, but in prayer, I'm in the midst of hallowing it myself. I've come to treat you as holy, as one to be reverenced, one I fear, one I adore. I have come to be caught up with my relationship with you. I've come to adore you. Now, how often do you think God wants you to do this? What if you don't do it anytime? Why would that be hard to do? See, if you think of prayer only as an emergency act, or I'm in a crisis, I better go yell for help, we've destroyed the worship element of prayer. 
Well, after spending the last few weeks here in the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 11, it's nice to get to chapter 12 and realize how we apply all of this theology the Apostle Paul is laying out for us, right? This is Truth For Today. You're listening to Pastor Phil Howard as we work our way through chapter 12 of Romans. Our series is called Living Sacrifice, Serving One Another. Now, speaking of serving one another, this radio broadcast really is a service provided by Truth For Today, but it's made available through your involvement directly. You see, this is a listener-supported ministry, and as you partner with us financially and prayerfully, basically what you're doing is you're serving one another. Not only do you serve us that we can continue the ministry here on KFAX, but it allows us to serve others with the gospel of Jesus Christ here on KFAX. So really, it is a marvelous way that we can serve one another as we link arms together to continue the ministry of Truth For Today. And as you do so, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a -a once-a-year special gift, and access to Take a Break. It's the weekly video devotional featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. And again, that's for being a TFT sustainer. No gift is too small and no gift is too large. Consider that as you contact us. Again, you can reach us at valleybible.org and give securely online or call 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. A lot of other information, by the way, is found on our website, valleybible.org, who we are, what we believe, and ministry opportunities, and a chance to worship with us at Valley Bible Church, our service times, directions, and location. It's all there at valleybible.org, and we'd love to see you in person. If you do plan on visiting, let one of the ushers know you're invited by the radio broadcast. That would mean a great deal to us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.